Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Kevin Gallagher. Kevin is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He teaches uh, at Gracie South, I believe. Gracie Tampa South. And uh, he is a... a big, a big presence on social media. On uh, he's got his own podcasts. He's been the host of some other podcasts. Uh, he competes often. Do you do both gi and no gi? Or yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually won the worlds in gi and no in gi and no gi and and uh, the masters division. So I've, I've competed quite a bit in both. So in the world of jujitsu, jujitsu, especially in uh, Central Florida, he's he's uh, royalty uh, and. Uh, for me, it's always interesting because I came up and you'll probably hear this through the course of the interview is there's kind of the different families or different schools that you come up with them and, and each of them are unique for, for different reasons, but definitely Gracie is the top tier of what you think of when you think of jujitsu and Gracie South has been a growing school. I mean, I can remember back when I was training pretty, pretty good that there was a number of guys that were in the UFC that were training down there. I know Arroyo and, Who's the other guy who like broke his leg, kick, leg kicking somebody? To oh, that's uh, Corey uh, Corey Hill. Yeah, yeah, he actually just passed away. A couple Did years he really? Ago. Yeah, he died a few years back. But he was a he was an athletic phenom. I actually wrestled in high school with Corey. Hill. Oh he no, like one of the, I had no idea. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. So, are you a Florida guy originally? So you know, I was born in in Long Island, another New Yorker, New Yorker. But I've been living in Florida forever. So yeah. To, to say I'm a New Yorker is just something you say so you sound cool. You How know, old are you? I'm 44 now. Okay, so, so we're about the same. Yeah, I just yeah. turned 45 last week. Yeah. So we're about um, there. How old were you when you came down from New York? Oh, a baby, four years old. I actually we moved from New York. My father was in the military, so we went from New York to Turkey for a few years. I think oh, wow. I was. Going into kindergarten when we moved to Tampa. So, what's that? Six years old? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Do you remember Turkey at all? Marginally. Bits and pieces. Of yeah. It. Like, not not enough to say I remember it, but there are distant memories from my childhood that, that tend to kind of materialize when right. I think about it. Right. Um, so, uh, brothers, sisters? I have an older brother and older sister. Okay. Did you guys scrap growing up? Uh, so – they are from my father, my mother's previous marriage. Okay. So they're significantly older than I am. Okay. So we didn't really have much of paternal or paternal, what is it? Fraternal uh, relations growing up. Right. They were kind of out doing their own thing at that point. So one of the things that I often uh, contemplated when I was training a lot was kind of what my place was in the world of jujitsu. And I have always been on the larger end of my class that I was in, whether in grade school or training. And I'm also extremely passive. I'm an only child. And so I always blamed it on not having siblings to <laughs> fight with as a kid. They didn't make me tough. And, but you're, you're going to, you're going to poke holes in that theory now. But, um, you know, I, I had this, you know, when you, and, and you'll be able to talk more on this, but you, you kind of develop stereotypes of people that, that you train with or that you class, you know, you've got one end of the spectrum and they're just a thousand percent, you know, there's the, the, the famous, uh, let's go, let's, let's roll soft today or let's, let's just go through positions. And then it ends up that everybody's bleeding out of their eyes by the time that they're done, <laughs> done with it. And then there's other people who are a little bit more passive, let, you know, we'll tap more quickly. We'll, we'll do these sorts of things. But I, the part of that that's always interested me is the psychology behind the type of people that are drawn to jiu jitsu. And it's, 
it, from an outside perspective, you might think it's all, you know, tough guys, but that's really not the case. Is that your experience? So, you know, the question and and the statement you made is is has so many prawns for discussion. Right. That it's uh it's difficult for me to even like zero in on one aspect of that. So I think what you're trying to get around to is to kind of comment towards the people that are drawn to jujitsu and, and, and the reasons why they come to jujitsu. And and I will tell you that from my experience, part of the thing that I think makes me as good of a coach as what I am is the fact that I understand people at a very intimate level. I I consider myself almost an empath. Oh, an empath, exactly. Yeah. I wish I wasn't sometimes, but <laughs> almost as uh almost as astute in psychological evaluations as I am in my jujitsu evaluations. I was a bartender for 20 years. Is that where you sharpened your sword in that regard? I've I've been, and I've always been, I've always been the kid that needed attention. So when I was growing up as the kid that needs attention, you figure out ways to manipulate people into giving you that attention. Right. You know, and I wish that I used those powers for good all the time, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm still human. You get older. You get older and you get better at not taking advantage of situations. But, um, Part of my job as a coach, and I think part of anyone's job as a coach, is to find out what motivates people. But you agree that people, different people, come to it for different reasons. Exactly. I'm getting to that point. I'm sure. Like, yeah. I got it's a long, a long, oh, okay. a long answer for that. But um, the point I, I guess so, like I said, I've coached jujitsu for probably I'm coaching on a pretty high level for probably five, six years now, as far as my actual intimate participation in coaching people. Um, and a lot of those I have are private clients that I bring in from the outside. So yes, the question of people that are drawn to jujitsu is yes, most of the time the people that are on their own want to go take jujitsu, come to jujitsu for various different reasons. You know, some of them, you know, want to get in shape. Some of them see some UFC fights and they think to themselves, hey, you know, I want to come in there and get in, get in the ring and get in the cage and maybe be a fighter. Some of them are just lunatics that, that have a twist in their brain that have competed for so long doing other things that they have to find some kind of outlet. Um, what I always tell people when I'm trying to get people to come into the room to do jujitsu is I always tell them whatever you feel like you're coming to do jujitsu for, like whatever it takes to get to your room, use that. To get, if you want to get lose a little weight, sure. Come to jujitsu, lose some weight. If you want to learn how to be a fighter, sure. Do that. If you want to, you want to get in shape, you want to, you want to learn how to do a little self-defense? Fine. Yeah, use that to get you in the door. But when you start training jujitsu, you quickly realize that it's so much more gratifying on so many more cerebral levels than what you anticipated that when you start getting in the room and you start digging into it, it's going to change your life. And it's difficult for me to explain that to someone that has never trained before. Right. You know, I can't put somebody off the street and make them understand the amazing transformation it's going to have on your body and your mind and your soul. Not only that, but you build a family. I mean, when you're, when you're in it, those guys are your, I mean, you hang out with them at night, you hang out with them on the weekends, you text them all day. You, I mean, you, you, you know, when I was in the thick of this, so, so the thing that happened to me, and it's not an excuse, but it's a reason is kids, kids kind of sent me down a different path, but, (laughs) but, uh, before that it was, I would be at work and just YouTube videos all day watching this. And then it w- at night you go to class every night, you talk about 
who's fighting this weekend, who fought last weekend, who's competing in the upcoming competition. And then your poor girlfriend or boyfriend or wife, they're the victim of you doing rear naked chokes on them in the kitchen and, <laughs> you know, just constantly, you know, passively working moves on it. But it, it really does invade every aspect of your life. And it invades a, not the best word because it sounds negative, but it really does just envelop you, at, l- at least my experience. No, I mean, you're and you're 100% accurate. And that accord, like, there's the whole phrase of cult. You know, you get into a CrossFit cult, you know, right. Jiu-Jitsu cult, and like, I there's yes, there are certain aspects of that cultish uh, phenomenon that occur. But the, the reason why is because you have a large you know, collection of people, like-minded people, that are all going after the same goal. You know, right. They're all going after the same goal of getting better at Jiu-Jitsu and and and, and learning how to function under the many many trials and ridiculous strenuous situations you put yourself to get better at jiu-jitsu that it requires to get better at jiu-jitsu so that like-minded struggle brings people together yeah she bonded under 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 odd circumstances the reason why um lots of soldiers that recover from ptsd they, there's actual they, there's actual case studies that show the soldiers when they get back to the military they, they they train in ptsd and it helps to build that same military bond that they that they experience while they're overseas that's awesome another thing and you kind of touched on this too is not only do people come come at it from different uh places but i think your reasons for doing it change over the course of your time doing it you know i remember when i started i was in my mid-30s and uh, you know, I was a professional guy, I didn't have kids yet, but there was kids that were 18 that were coming in and they're full of energy. And it's, you know, it's like, well, I got a mortgage, you know, I'm tie worked right. all day. I'm kind of, right. you know, so like you said, some of it are for fitness or whatever, but I think kind of as you get older, you, not that it has to be this way, but maybe competition is less your, your goal and more just the fitness part of it or the intellectual stimulation of it. Now that said, there's a number of old guys I know who crush it on competition. So it's not, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that, but it's, it's, it's funny cause it's a vector. It's not a static thing. It's something that evolves over the course of your relationship with it and your understanding of it. And anyway, I, I'm supposed to be asking no, you good. You're good, you're good just, man. I, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Let, so let it, were you an athletic kid? Um, yeah, I was always, so it's, it's funny because, uh, <laughs> I didn't really discover my athleticism until uh you know mid high school. I didn't I didn't really realize I was an athlete until I started wrestling. I had a proclivity to wrestling and I got good at wrestling. Then I started playing soccer. I was good at soccer. Um I was actually quite uncoordinated as a child. I was there was I think I have still emotional scars from playing baseball in little league as a kid that yeah. maybe haunt me to this day that made me want to be a fighter that motivated me to be the angry person that I am now in the mats. But did you take to wrestling right away or did you have an initial period of the the contact being an issue for you? Because because that's another thing for people who aren't used to being choked out or having their joints manipulated or being popped in the face. I mean that's a that's a, that's a not a, a muscle that a lot of people have worked before, and the first time they experience it, it's kind of you know a, a fork in the road. Yeah, I mean, I so even though I wasn't very athletically gifted, and sometimes I think that was just I had some issues growing up as a kid, problems with the family and things like that. Family unit that might have scarred me emotionally at that 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 young age that caused those things to happen. But I was always. A boy, and yeah. I was you know always rustling around, physical, yeah. physical, you know, doing playing pickup basketball games in the yard and pickup football games in the yard. It just, I think, more than 
the lack of athleticism. It was more of a performance anxiety that kind of harmed me at right. my early stages. But yeah, but I was, I never had an issue with being in those cold places and those tough, rough uh, positions. Your game, down. you got, game. You got, you got the fire in your belly. I was ready to do that. Yeah, exactly. So after high school, where'd you go? Um, so I went uh, went to USF for a few years. Um, kind of they have a wrestling there. team. They never had a wrestling team, but they had a like uh, clubs. Or they something. had wrestling clubs and stuff yeah. like that. You know, and I stayed active um, during uh, those days. I started boxing. Did you around nineteen? And what uh, year would that have been? That would have been oh jeez, that would have been probably like 95, 96, 97, okay. I believe. I'll put that on there. Where were you like, boxing? Well, I started just locally at the Cultas, you know, oh, just yeah. coming in and taking a, taking a class here and there. But then I started actually getting into the amateur boxing circuit and training with some actual legitimate boxing gyms and right. worked with some pretty pretty high level uh, boxing instructors. Worked with Pete Fernandez and other. You ever worked with McLaughlin over in St. Peter? I never made. I I had been out there yeah. and sparred at that gym a few times and worked with a couple of those guys out there. But I, I know him yeah. fairly well. If I saw him, I could shake his hand. He sure. might recognize me. Old boxers pretend like they know people when they really just right. punch you. They don't really know Glad anything. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. But I I I mean I sparred with a bunch of. Local pros. I never went pro as a boxer. I probably could have a, a bunch of different times, but then I just decided to kind of give it up. I had some concussion problems that started haunting me, and I started realizing it just wasn't worth it anymore. So, when did uh, jujitsu? When did that seed get planted? So, was it Hoist Gracie at yeah, UFC? Man, no, it's, it's so it's so <laughs> odd because you know my jujitsu journey. I we always say that's the big word, jujitsu journey. It's the way. Well, you've earned it. You you can say it. I can I can like yeah. that cliche. It, it sounds funny if I say it. You <laughs> saying it as it looks out. So mine was more of a day trip. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you if you're older than you know 35 years old, 40 years old, you distinctly remember watching the old UFCs because everybody did. You know, right. You, you went to go Blockbuster and you rented them at the Blockbuster video and you take them home and you watch the old UFC videos. So at that time, just like everybody else in the world, I was enamored by Hoist Gracie. And I just thought, my God, this is the, the baddest man on the planet. You know, I had a wrestling background. I was boxing a bit here and there. And I was like, I want to learn how to do this stuff. So believe it or not, back in 95, 96, when I was still, you know, at USF, um, there was an old gym out there on Bruce B. Downs run by a purple boy named Estevan. I can't remember his last name, but people in the jiu-jitsu community will recognize his name. He's been around for a while. Um, and I did a little jiu-jitsu training with him back then because, of course, crazy did jiu-jitsu. I want to be just jiu-jitsu. I trained about five or six sessions with him. Then I blew my ankle out, broke mm. my ankle in a, in, a, in a training session. So I had to, I never went back to it right. again. And at that time, you know, we're not living in the world where we're living now. There's not a jiu-jitsu gym. Every, every two blocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every two blocks is a jiu-jitsu gym. But I started training jiu-jitsu back in 95, here and there. Um, I'd always kicked around doing MMA. I yeah. always wanted to do it because, you know, I was a, I was a really good wrestler. I was. I mean, you have the three the three right. pillars: boxing, wrestling, and well, martial arts. I had not had jujitsu training okay. at that. But that point. was the last right. box to be checked, right? Exactly. Like the I I mentioned 
the training in 96 is kind of an aside. It was just something I, oh, give it a shot. I mean, I had three yeah. sessions to say I learned anything significant at that point. I mean, who, who knows how many bong hits and his ass that I was on at that right, time. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Who knows what, I, what's, what actually sunk in. This yeah. was ni- ni- the 90s in, in Tampa, Florida's sure. rave culture, man. I was right. just talking about that today. <laughs> That's another podcast. Yeah. though. <laughs> um, so – you know, I boxed and then I quit boxing because I started getting some concussion issues. I, has, I had a, a pretty nasty uh, concussion problem, post-concussion syndrome that lasted for about six, eight months one time. And it was really, really frightening. So, right. I decided, hey, you know what? I can't box anymore. But I always had that fire. Like, I always in my mind thought, you know, man, like, I kind of want to do this thing. And at the time, you know, MMA was so new. Right. It was cockfighting. It, was, yeah. it wasn't even like, oh, what? that's stupid. That's nothing. Right. So during the time, I'd say about 2002 or so, 2003 or so when I quit boxing, 2004 when I quit boxing until about 2009, I was in this static, stagnant place where I didn't really do anything. I was, was that when fat. you were bartending? It was when I bartended. I used okay. to bartend at a really nice restaurant called the Palm Restaurant, a high-end place. It was yeah, a good okay, gig. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty the good. The Palm there. at West Shore? West Shore Morning. Yeah, and had all the paintings yeah, on the wall. Yeah, all the- 13 years I oh, I remember there, that, yeah. Do you, do you know a Jeff Tedder? Oh, yeah. Jeff he would Tedder, have his – he yeah. takes all of his attorneys yeah, yeah. to lunch there and Jeff, eats the same Jeff, thing. Jeff, Jeff Tedder, man. You was, know, he trains. He trains yeah, yeah, he's Lane. purple belt. Yeah, he actually he – He's a purple belt now? Is he a blue – he might he, – he's either – a That's purple belt or a very high level blue belt. I think he's a purple belt. That's I think he got his purple. He's a big man. He's a holy huge shit, man. Yeah, Monster, he is monstrous. He's like his sixties, sixty, but he's still he's still he's a stout. Fu- yeah, he's yeah. A, I think he played professional football or something. basketball. Like it was a basketball. Yeah, he looks yeah. like uh, Ron Burgundy yeah, dunking on people in old photos. That's so awesome. I'd love to see footage of that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so long, long story short, like two thousand. 2009-ish, I was kind of lost a little bit, listless here and there, and I really wanted to get some kind of outlet to quell that competitive desire I had inside of me. So I decided to give MMA another run and in South Tampa, Matt Arroyo, who was my head instructor, had opened up a gym called Gracie Tampa South. And I was actually training and, and lifting at the gym he opened up at. It was a choice fitness. You know, They had a fitness area in the back, his jiu-jitsu gym opened up in the back. So I was like, hey, you know what, man? I'll give this jujitsu thing a shot because I want to be an MMA fighter. I'm going to go for it. And, you know, about a year into it, I quickly realized that, like, the concussion problems just weren't going to let me do that. So I started training jujitsu and I started competing in jujitsu. And then, you know, here we are 10 years later. Black now, were you ever with Rob at the North School? or? Yeah, I mean, me and Rob, I just hung out with Rob this weekend. Like, I know Rob fairly so well. So has it been Gracie from day one with yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gracie, Gracie. Gracie Tampa South, where I train at, and Matt Arroyo is, is a, a black belt under, under Rob, Rob Kong. Kong. Yeah, Rob Kong used to teach the gym. Like me and Rob are tight. I talk to him all the time on the phone and stuff. Now, my so I don't know if you found this between concussions and getting older, but in the last couple of years, my ability to recall names and <laughs> things is really softening. But um, he he gave Gorino his black belt. Ryan. Uh, he used to he used to judge all the MAGA competitions. He's a cop now in pa- in, in in Pasco. Ryan and I'm blanking on his last name. It's Ryan, killing me. Ryan uh, he Rob Khan gave him his black belt. I don't know if Rob Khan gave him his black. I think Eduardo de Lima. Gave oh, him Eduardo, his yeah. So I don't know. I I probably know who you are because I trained a little bit with Eduardo. So he for a while. he was up there by like uh, Ehrlich on Dale Mabry mm-hmm. for a long time. He bought the studio from another guy and mm-hmm. taught Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, all this other stuff. 
that was my second place. The first place, you know, Max Goldberg, he now teaches out in Arizona, but he was a black belt here. I don't remember if it was under Rob. Yeah, I, no, I know. it was under Eduardo. Yeah, Eduardo. So, there's two yeah. in the Tampa area. There was Rob Con Eduardo. And now, what's the, two, like, is one uh, Gracie and Gracie Baja, or, or is it is it? So, I mean. I know that's kind of a played yeah, out discussion. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's exactly. That's a very, very, long, very, very yeah. I mean, there's two, two lineages that pretty much go back to the same spot. The Gracie Barr guys, you know, broke with Carlos Jr. Right. To start off the Gracie Barr system. And then Hoist Gracie or Helio Gracie yeah. continued with the Gracie lineage. So, if we see Gracie Barra or yeah. Barra, that is – from the Carlos Jr. lineage. And when you see the when it's like Gracie Tampa, Gracie San Antonio, Gracie right. such and such, that is the Halio lineage. And it's So is 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 yours the Halio? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it's still it's all the same. It's, it's all the same stuff. No. Now my experience, and maybe you can comment on this, is that no gi was much bigger. So you're familiar with Hobson Mora. Yeah. And it used to be Novo and Yao, but now there was Right. You know, there's all, it, it's and always and even like when you talk about lineages, yeah. you always have to talk about the Brazilians are nuts. It's like, like they, they're they, like yeah. talking about the Godfather, <laughs> yeah, like the right. five families split up. They, and, like and this happens literally constantly. Yeah, constantly. They're always at each other's Right, teams. right, right. So uh when I was training there, every now and again, there'd be Gracie guys who came and visited. And my impression of them is they were, they always loved no gi and they were super like rough. Like when you rolled yeah. with them, you were getting after it. And I don't know, is that something that you think is unique to that school or, or is there just all sorts? And that's just one so, experience. You know, it's, it's always tough to comment upon that. And, and the reason being is this is because, First of all, we'll get to the Nogi versus Gi. Yeah, because that's in, I think Nogi is yeah. a big area for you, right? Right. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm, I you know I you can do either. Both. Sure, I, yeah. I've literally throughout the course of my jujitsu career, I've spent equal amount of times in both. I compete probably more in Nogi simply because that's just what people want to see. That's just more put more people. There's more competition opportunities, particularly on the professional jujitsu right. scene in Nogi than there is in Gi. Well, would you agree that over time those two, what do you want to call them? Uh, what would you call gi versus no gi schools or or, or not schools? Yeah, but, so uh, trains schools of thought. Schools of thought. Schools of I, thought. I think I think early it. on, and correct me if I'm wrong, no gi was just gi with no gi on. But over time, when you have uh, who's the tenth planet and Eddie uh, Bravo, yeah, you, and- it, it's gotten to the point where they're almost two different sports in a lot of ways. It would seem. I mean, the the grips, the 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 mood. I mean, there's a. It's just. It's almost a different game. That that's my impression, but I'd be interested in your opinion. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many debates, and it depends on who you talk to, right? To come up with that, but and the many people that I speak to that are true minds of the jujitsu world, not just talking heads that want to say something because they want to push an agenda, like true people that really think at a, at a truly esoteric. You just did a manner. post on was it Danaher? Uh, Drysdale, Robert Drysdale. Drysdale, but, but these are guys who are like the Plato and Socrates. Yeah, ex- ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about it in those terms, like I personally, I don't see a difference between my no-gi game and my gi game. And I say that in terms of the techniques of jiu-jitsu are all the same. If I'm going to do an over-under pass or a double-under pass, it's going to be the same damn pass. You know, right. I'm going to swing under the legs, pin him to the chest, walk around, and, 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 and finish the stack pass, right? Now, there will be certain 
aspects of the technique of that pass where instead of grabbing my hands together, I'm going to grab a grip or instead of using the underhook, I'm going to grab an arm or I'm mm-hmm. going to grab a grip or I'm going to grab the collar or the sleeve or whatever. But the idea of saying that no Giji Jutsu is different from Giji Jutsu, it's just, it's a fallacy. It's, it's literally the same exact techniques. You're just doing different things. So when I talk about it in those terms, like I don't, when I'm getting ready for an Ogi match, I don't say I'm never going to put the gi on because I'm training in the gi. I'm just learning how to think in jujitsu terms. It's the right. same, same damn thing. Um, I maybe don't, a different dialect of the yeah, same maybe language. a slightly different dialect. But at the end of the day, the techniques are one. Well, it's all leverage. Yeah, I mean leverage, leverage and movement, pinning. Yeah, that. yeah. There's different, different. Obviously, when you're working in the gi, there's different things. I have different lapel chokes and different ways I can use the lapel to come across and pin arms down and stuff. But there's also different things you can do in no gi that you can't do in the gi with 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 heel hooks and things like that. As a as a always now I'm very out of shape, but even when I was at the height of my training, I was still on the softer side of the guys. So. As I always appreciated the gi because I could slow the quicker guys down. Yeah. You know, when it's no gi, everybody's just slimy and moving and moving and moving. Well, With the gi, I could, you know, get a grip on your sleeve and your leg and just kind of take a breath. The one thing that I will say, and this is what, and this is all about preference, because there, again, I'm going to say this because this is my opinion, but mm-hmm. there are other people that will say otherwise. You know, I f- believe that training in the gi will increase your ability to use technical jujitsu at a very early stage. And the reason for this is because if we're in the gi and we've got grips and we have all the friction between all that fabric rubbing on around on each other, it limits my ability to be explosive out of the positions. Like right. I can't just decide to say, okay, I'm just going to jump up in the air and flip away and run out and yeah. do whatever thing I do because it's, it works Works when you're getting right. a shirt on and you're sweating. Exactly. Yeah. When you're yeah. in the gi, I have you know I, I, because I have grips because I have all the the friction between right between the positions between the fabric. You tend to have to think. It's a slower game. Right. It's not as explosive. So by staying slower and learning how to pin and learning how to manipulate manipulate that, you have to be more tactical. You have to focus on the techniques of the positions a little bit better. But you know, do I feel like you need to try? I have plenty of friends of mine, Bamboo, Rob Khan. I have plenty of friends of mine that, that I mean, guys that I know for sure that have never trained in the gi. Dan Martinez is a perfect example. Right. He's world champion right now. Dan Martinez never trained in the gi, but to say he doesn't know jiu-jitsu is ridiculous because he's amazing. Right. But there are some people that will say if you don't train in jiu you're not doing jiu-jitsu. So, right. whatever. Right. How have you seen the evolution of jiu-jitsu in the past 10 years? So when I started, it was about 2008, and it mm-hmm. was right when UFC was taking off, and people were just going nuts, jiu-jitsu. Like every class, there was five new kids showing up to class. And I remember towards the end of the time when I was training very heavily, I couldn't even watch UFC anymore because it seemed like something else or something, you know, it wasn't what interested me. You know, it just... So, and and so I'm wondering if you've seen any impact of, you know, first off, there's a lot of black belts in the area now where there weren't 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, that's number one. And then number two is the, the ebb and flow of the popularity of mixed martial arts. Have you seen impact in that form on class sizes and interests and backgrounds? I mean, the last five years, we've seen a you know, a renaissance of jujitsu interest. It's insane. The amount of people that are training jujitsu gyms, like you said, are popping up everywhere, yeah. everywhere. You know, everybody, you know, is training jujitsu right now in right. some form or another. Um, 
And along with, I mean, there's several reasons that have caused that. First of all, you know, the explosion of the UFC. But people are starting to really realize that jiu-jitsu is an independent thing from MMA and from the UFC that you can do just to do jiu-jitsu. Now, right. it always has been, but it's starting to gain its own allure right. in that realm. And part of the reason, and I, you can say all you want about, you know, 10th Planet and Eddie Bravo, blah, 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 blah. But Eddie Bravo putting the EBI out there, making competitive jiu-jitsu a mainstream and attempting to make it a mainstream concept has built up jiu-jitsu to a new level. I mean, you right. see guys all over the place that want to be competitive jiu-jitsu players. We have guys at the gym now that aren't thinking about being MMA fighters. They want to be professional jiu-jitsu athletes. Well, I think it's a more, I think number one, it's somewhat more of a realistic goal. There's more opportunity to do it than to get a contract with the UFC. So that's right. number one. Number two is I think there's more longevity in jiu-jitsu than in MMA. Yeah, it's and not then, as much money. <laughs> well, not as much money, but you, these, these, unless you're the top tier guys in UFC, you're not making a lot either. You're paying all of it to your training camp and you might net 10 grand and you don't have any insurance. Right. So you're coming out of pocket. But I think, I mean, clearly you can do, I mean, Helio shows us that you can do it all of your life, whereas UFC, I mean, you start getting into yeah, your you mid can. to late 30s, you're, you're an old man. Um, what was the point I was going to make? Uh, when did you get your black belt? Um, I just, I just in December, celebrated my four-year anniversary of my black belt. So, I've been a black belt for four years now. So, I wanted to ask your experience of that because – you know, people will, if they're being honest, will tell you every time they walk into and out of class, they're thinking about the day that they get their black belt. It's something that, you know, people just think about. Uh, and so when you finally got it, was it what you expected or was it just another day? You know, some people talk about it in hollow terms and other people say it was no different from the last practice I went to. I just had a different color belt on. You know, um, it's that's a good question because. First of all, whenever you get your black belt, no one thinks they deserve their black belt. It's it's like that scene in The Last Dragon when the master says to the to the student, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're already like you're already a black belt, you just don't know it yet. And, yeah. and you're a black belt because I tell you black belt. There's there's that level of recognition that you have mastered the art. Imposter are, syndrome or whatever it is that they call 100%. it. 100 you know? percent yeah. So you you know, whenever you get your black belt, you don't really believe you're a black belt, but but you are because your instructor said you are, and that's just the way it is. So put your hands up in the air and put your black belt on because that's the way it goes. Um so with that train of thought, when that that mindset, when I got my black belt, yeah, did, it was just like, hey. Was it a surprise the night you got it? Or no, no, you know no. It we we it's sometimes it is, but in our yeah. in our in our group, Master Matt Matt Arroyo, my instructor, he he tells us six months ahead of time. Oh wow. We have we have we have belt ceremonies every six months. We have them in June and then we have them in December. So in the the December ceremony, the last thing he does is he announces the black belts for the June ceremony. Same thing in June, he announces the black belts for the December ceremony. It's the only time you do that. And the reason why you do that is because it's such a momentous occasion. He wants you to be able to invite your friends and family because right. you give a speech and you do a whole thing. And it's, it's a it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty it's big a huge deal. deal. Yeah. It's funny because I, I keep cutting you off and I'm no, sorry. You're good, but, man. But you I'll know, talk forever. You cut well, me off. <laughs> well, well, so, you know, there's there's so many great things about jiu-jitsu. One of the things is, is you have – it's an equalizer. You have a guy who maybe – you know, is working at a gas station who comes there. You have another guy who's a surgeon who comes there. And for that hour, everybody's 
effectively on the same level, maybe not skill wise, but you're all doing the same thing. And so it builds a lot of bonds and friendships between people that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to have a bond or a friendship uh, be- between them. But um, the the other thing that that is so amazing about it is it's the only combat sport that I can think of aside from maybe wrestling, if you want to call wrestling that, where you can't fake it, you know, you know, a, a guy tells me he's a black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, nice. I'm like, okay, yeah, right, <laughs> great. You know, or, or karate or whatever, that, whatever else it is. You, you know, unless you're walking into school you've never been in before and you're just faking that you have a belt, you're going to find out really quickly where you fall in that pecking order. And there's no other sport out there. I mean, I love Muay Thai. That was another thing that I trained, and that's a great sport. But you can't go full speed at Muay Thai and expect to like not have all your bones broken or get concussions and everything. So with jujitsu. There's a legitimacy there that almost no other sport has behind it. So when you get that black belt, you know, despite your imposter syndrome, I mean, e- even though it's just the instructor decided you're going to get it, you, I mean, you're you're getting it because you deserve to be there. You know, the art of jujitsu is specific in that there's not a specific criteria involved in the belt wars it's one of the only martial arts around that doesn't have okay if you're going to get your blue belt you need a loop choker you, you don't need, need, to, you need yeah. to do this 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 and right, this and right. this is what quantifies a blue belt same thing purple belt uh brown belt black belt but i can tell you as a black belt i can roll with any person you roll me with and to a very very close degree of certainty tell you tell you are. what belt they are right and the reason being is because as instructors and as jujitsu practitioners, we don't necessarily understand, you know, what makes up a blue belt, but I understand what that person should be thinking and the way they should be rolling and the techniques and the speed and how well they move and anticipate and where their their knowledge of the different techniques are according to, okay, this person is a blue belt, this person is a purple belt, this person is a black belt, brown belt, and so on and so forth. So when you get that black belt, it's odd because you don't really realize it. You don't realize that you've, you've mastered the art. You don't understand how it happened, but there's a very real understanding that you have. Right. It's, it's just it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And again, you put ten years into this damn thing, bro. Ten years well, of pain. Ten years. Ten years is just kind of the first chapter, yeah. you know, because then there's there's your whole career after that. And while there's degrees or stripes or whatever you want to call them, in black belt. Once you're a black belt. I mean, you can talk about red, but I mean, that's that's so, down the line. But I mean, black belt can mean a lot of things. The cool thing, this is, I, I tell this all the time because we just have one of my one of bunch of our students that are getting did their black belts. Guys that I've trained with for a while, they're getting their black belts in, in June. We make the announcements, and I always tell black belts this all the time: are guys that are getting their black belts. When you get your black belt, you know, every other belt in jujitsu is a staging point. You know, you're, you're working super hard as a white belt, and your only goal is you get that blue belt. You know what I mean? Like everything's about that blue belt. Once I get that blue belt, cool. I want to do good for the cut. I want to compete so I can look good enough to get that blue belt. There's that anticipation, that right. anxiety. Same thing, purple belt, brown belt, all the way up. But after you get your black belt, you lose that anxiety. You know, there's no no other. You've already attained the highest goal. So that's part of my question. Do you still have a hunger, or, and what's that hunger for? So this is where things get interesting. This is the cool part when. When you get your black belt, it's you're doing jujitsu now for the love of the art. You're doing jujitsu now because you love cultivating students. You love delving in 
to put your own stamp on things. Like I consider, and this is what I told tell everybody. It's, and again, it's a bit of a cliche, but it makes a lot of sense. You've moved on to postgraduate work, right? You know, when you're doing postgraduate work, you're not taking tests, you're not write, writing essays just so you can send to an instructor. You're performing things in your field. You're writing papers and theses in your field that could go as far as changing the field. Right. You're making strides towards improving what you've worked your life on. You're doing real world work. When you get your black belt, you've reached that level. You're now doing real world world work. You're either through teaching or through your training, you're delving so deeply into the individual aspects of jiu-jitsu at such a such a cerebral, such a minute level that you're actually changing jiu-jitsu. You're actually Growing with it, involving with the sport as the sport evolves, even if it's your own little sphere of rec- or, you know, sphere of reference, you're you're changing. It's a beautiful thing. Do you think that there's the ability to kind of have your create your own style or your own signature? You know, we're talking about artists. You know, there's there's surrealists, there's you know abstract, there's you know poor all this stuff. So I, I think of again being a bigger guy. I always loved Hodger Gracie because he would basically do three things. Yeah without error and you know it was coming and he'd still just right. you know he'd, he'd flop you on your back mount you and put you out that was pretty much it. it but then you have uh what is it keenan cornelius yeah and he's he's i i every now and again i i decide i'm gonna start back to jujitsu and that lasts for about two weeks before i <laughs> life takes hold again but every time i go in well first off everybody i started with is a black belt now so that's all all the ass weapons that that's i handed rough. out that's the rough part as, as a blue now i'm taking in spades so that's number one but number two is they're doing these rubber guards and all this random shit that i'm like i never even, i don't even know I'm, I'm just dumbfounded by it i was like i don't even know the first thing to do here. So there's all these little tentacles that kind of develop and people kind of, I mean, I guess a true master can kind of exist on all of those planes, but it seems as though there's different styles within the style. Yeah. So I always say this about the art of jujitsu, whereas we've evolved when you start to think about any art or any concept, the the one thing I've always noticed about people that have, an extremely high understanding of very complicated concepts is that they figure out a way to find the simplicity and the, in the uniformity in there and they can break it down to its most minimalistic points to make even the most complicated concepts seem extremely simple. That's that's I, I'm glad you said that. And I, I, I think that's true. I, I, I don't think I've heard it stated in such a way before, but it, you know, I have this conversation. So uh, I'm a divorce attorney, and and oftentimes let's <laughs> talk about complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about, talk about battles. But at, at the end of the day, it's all a it's number. It's all about hey, bro. It's a number. You get this. You get this. Yeah. Exactly, well, that's right. that's just it. And you think of the great teachers, and you think of the great, you know, writers or authors or commentators or anybody, and it's the people who can uh, convey a very difficult concept in a very simple way that you can tell have kind of come full circle. They've gone. From infancy through the hairiest part of it now to where it's almost muscle memory, second you know, nature. Jiu-jitsu is this – I mean, first of all, I'm a writer too. So, I write for Jiu-Jitsu Times. I, I want to talk about all that yeah. stuff. But, yeah, well, yeah. But, but what I've noticed in my writing as yeah. I've begotten, gotten better as a writer is that, you know, and in, in it's the same as Jiu-Jitsu. Like when you start off as writing, first of all, you know, you got to learn the alphabet. You learn to put sentences together. And then you kind of figure out, okay, these are the concepts I want to write about, right? Once you get to that, once you learn how to write. Right. You know, once you learn what the ABCs are and how to put a sentence together and shit. 
But then you find your your concepts that you want to write about. And you're super excited about it, right? So, so you want to explain everything. You want to spend all this time making these elaborate, elaborate discoveries. And you put sentences on top of sentences and run on sentences. And everything's so long because you want to get your points across. And then when you start to realize to really get your point across. It's an economy of it's, words. It's an economy of words. And the more you start to economize, the better your points gets across. And that's that's that was my voyage. So I started boxing before jiu-jitsu. But with both – I remember the first time I stepped in the ring because I was older than all the kids in the class. I used to have to box the coach. Right. And the guy was five, ten years older than me. And I was running around that ring doing all this shit. And I was exhausted within five minutes. And he said, you only have to be half an inch – further away from yeah. my punch exactly. than, than my my arm reaches. You don't have to be on the other side of the ring. So stop running around, stop spazzing out. And so then with jujitsu, that was the same thing. And, you know, I've always, the, the people that I hated rolling with the most were white belts because you get them in a position and they'd spaz out and spin around or, right. you know, you catch an elbow in the face. Because you, know, you don't know what the hell they're doing because they're not well, doing jujitsu. Yeah, right. right. It's, just, it's just chaos. And so, but... You know, again, as a bigger guy, and I don't know that this is good, but I conserving energy and knowing when to move and when not to move and kind of all that stuff. So it really does. I I, I, I thank you for drawing that line because I'm kind of seeing that is the the economy of whatever it is that you're using to communicate. But when you when you truly understand something and when you truly f- have, you know, I guess I. My quest anymore as a black belt is, you know, like that searching for Bobby Fisher. You ever remember this oh, yeah. show, Searching for Bobby Fisher? They always talk about Bobby Fisher found the soul of chess. Mm-hmm. He found what was really in the center of it. That means the game is amazing and right. strategy and all this stuff. But inside of it, there's a core and a soul that makes it real, you know, brings it, brings it to life. Gives it, you know, biological form or whatever. Hickson always, just to cut you off, always seems yeah. like the guy who got the closest to yes, figuring that exactly. out. Exactly. Well, I can tell you <laughs> stories about Hickson talking to some of his students. Yeah. He was, he was, a, he was an amazing person. Still is an amazing person. But you know, my goal in jujitsu is to find that soul. That's what I search for. I find that inner thing that makes everything move. Because what I'm starting to find out now is, even though I look for the simplicity of things and I try to minimize, I'm still enjoying going after the more complicated movements because when you start to think about the simplicity of it. Why does that work? Why does that work? You can realize, oh, wow. All that really is is just a pivot here and a roll through underneath, and then I pinch the knee across here to manipulate his joint, and I get the sweeper, I get the leg lock off of that. It looks complicated, but the reality of it is it's just a combination of fairly simple movements that evolve into this very complicated system. Right. Now, competition, I know, is a big part of your life currently. Was that always the case throughout your jujitsu journey? So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm nuts. I, I There's... A part of my soul that burns to compete at all times. I don't know what it is. I don't know if was I, that from day one. From day one. From 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 a kid. I've always wanted to have. I've always had that competitive spirit. Inside it scared of me. the shit out of me. I hated it. I did it about five or six times. Every time I had an adrenaline <laughs> dump, and I was so pissed off at myself because what I knew I was capable of in class and what I did on the mat in competition, I just scarred me for life. That always just. <laughs> And I know you. I know people work through that after a period of time, but it was. Yeah, you know, it's not. I I talk a lot to my students too. Like I don't. I I would love for everyone to compete. I yeah. would love for people to because jujitsu is all about conquering demons and learning yeah. how to move past that. Um, I don't think it's a prerequisite. 
Yeah. I think you can get all the benefits of jiu-jitsu just from training, just getting there, going in the room and, and pushing yourself through the points of, of displeasure and discomfort and learn how to think under the duress of what real life scenarios are going to throw at you because that's the real beauty of jiu-jitsu. The techniques are amazing. Right. But the reality of it is the reason why jiu-jitsu is the greatest martial art for self-defense is because we recreate what a real life scenario is going to be like over and over and over in, in the gym. So whereupon we're not really learning the techniques. We are. But we're learning how to think under that duress and function under that duress. It's true. I mean, I, you know, getting back to the point I made earlier, I remember the first time and the 10th time I got punched and it sucks. But after a while, you <laughs> just, uh, well, and same with jujitsu, you know, at right. first you get a knee in your sternum when someone's doing knee on belly or whatever, you get your, you know, someone's chin in your, in your jaw or whatever that, you know, your, your frenum or whatever. And you're just like, this is awful, but you get to the point where you're not even paying attention to that. And that was, it did have a psychological I, – I feel I was at my most confident in life and least fearful. I've always had trouble with crowds. And when I was in that, that went away. Like I felt like I owned my own space. I think I've receded since then. But I think it does manifest in your – in how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your place in the world. Man, I was – I will espound my – my love for the art of jiu-jitsu to whoever will listen because I truly believe that it will change anyone. I know I for know the better. That, yeah. For the better. Um jiu-jitsu was one of the rare sports, one of the rare things in the world that I have seen firsthand give give a person whatever they're missing. Right. If you're a confident person, you're a little bit of an egomaniac, jiu-jitsu is going to humble, humble you. you real, real quick because you're going to find some 130-pound skinny little dude in the corner, some little nerd that's going to be able to hold you down on the ground and you're not going to be able to figure out he's going to tie you up in knots. If you are a bit meek and you have problems with confidence, jiu-jitsu is going to give you what you need. It's going right. to make you confident because you're going to realize if you stick it out and you put the time in, just going through those processes will make you better at jiu-jitsu, will make you overcome quite possibly one of the most difficult things, getting your black belt, getting a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. That was the other – sorry. Go, you good. No, because I, I forgot a point uh, Like point I said, earlier. I'll talk forever. No, I, I don't mean to do it, but I, I, <laughs> there was a point I forgot earlier and this was the point I wanted to make is I see – Doctors, lawyers, military people, police officers who are more proud and more elated by getting whatever their competition win is or their next belt than their medical degree or their law degree or some with the birth of their child. I mean, it's funny how meaningful and important those 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 benchmarks are in jujitsu. Getting a blue belt in jujitsu is one of the most difficult things that anyone will ever do in their life, just a blue belt. And I will tell you that I know a lot of my blue belts, if you get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, like you have a superpower. You might not realize it. Yeah. You might not think you do. But if you get in a confrontation in a street fight and you're a blue belt, like you're at a very high success rate, even though you, even though you don't realize it, right. like you have put the time in to work there. Because when you walk off the street as a white belt, like you're just going to get your ass kicked. There's no other way around that. Well, not only that, but just not quitting in the first yeah, six not months quitting is a in the huge accomplishment. Huge, huge. I, when I got my blue belt, it takes about two years, yeah. year, depending on how much time you put. Two years, year and a half to get your blue belt. When I got my blue belt, I literally was in, – in, in my lifespan of, of jujitsu accomplishments, like black belt's the most important belt. Purple belt's a close second. But the happiest I've ever been about receiving a belt was when I got my blue belt. Like it was like, he throw this white belt away. It's all, yeah, they almost call it the not white belt. <laughs> exactly. Know? And I'm not a white belt anymore. But you're in, when you're a blue belt, you're in. Yeah, you're yeah. in the community. You've made it. And when you get your purple belt, you're really in. You don't yeah. realize it when you get your blue belt. The purple belt's really the one where you're now, you're in the, yeah. you're, you're, you're not going to quit. You're exclusive. VIP territory. Yeah. Exactly.
So, um, competitions. What's the most recent one that you've done? Do you have any coming up? Or you <laughs> I just middle? competed. So it's funny. I talked about competing. I've gotten to a point now. I think this last year or so, I've just kind of like I've lost my. What's your family situation? Will. Are you married? Do you Man, have I'm kids single. Or? No okay. kids. Just a okay. freewheeling. Uh, yeah, freewheeling bachelor. <laughs> trying, to, Fury, yeah. trying to let trying not to let young women ruin my life <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that can be, there's all, all sorts of off ramps on your jiu-jitsu yes, journey yes, whether yes, it's yes, kids or injury or women or yes there is you know so that's so there's life life does not support jiu-jitsu <laughs> the way jiu-jitsu supports life no, it doesn't. when did you start writing and doing the podcast and all that stuff so I mean, I've always loved to write. Yeah, I went. I was. I went to college for an English degree, and I never got it. But I was. That was the goal. I right. had to write and stuff when I was when I started college. And I've always been a writer. I've always enjoyed writing as a kid. Are you a reader too? Reader too. Yeah. You know, I consumed books. I read everything. I used to. I went. I went, I went through this very angsty early twenties. Wasn't so a lot of Morrissey and oh, Warren yeah, Black oh, and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> And the rave clubs we took. Yeah, well, yeah, William. Well, after Close I took all the, and, after I took all the acids and right, the right, acid right. and burned yeah. burn right. my brain out, right. I, I decided I need to refill it with something. You know, William S. Burroughs, all yeah. the freaking uh, Kafka, and all, right. all those guys and stuff. But um, when you know, because my love of literature, I've always wanted to write. I've always felt like there's. I have an odd part of me, and maybe it's the narcissistic side in me that believes that I have something to offer to the world. Right. And I really believe that anybody. Well, I think you got to feel that because otherwise what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? I, yeah. You know, I, you know I, I really truly believe that our goal on this planet is to try to make a stamp to make a better place out of yeah. it. And you don't have to think about making it on a global matter. You can you can make a difference doing everything you do. Any, right. Any, any chance you have an opportunity to. I particularly have a skill. I've had a, I've had a pretty crazy life. I've done some pretty cool shit, and I've done some some crazy things. But right. I've also I've had a pretty pretty full fulfilling life, and I feel like it's my obligation to try to share those experiences with people. And one of the way I do that is by writing, because when you write something, you get it down on paper, even if it's on some silly website. Like it's there for posterity, it's right, there for history. Right, it's, right. Not, it's not going anywhere. A piece of your soul went into. Have that you thought story. of a book. I've thought about it. Yeah. I just got to sit down and actually do it. I've started writing a book a hundred different times. Right. I haven't finished one. Right. But I, this, my writing now, my actual writing for jujitsu has, has started probably about three, four years ago. I started writing. You think it's helped your game? Times. Has it helped oh, your yeah. understanding? Of course, and your, man, Of course. Yeah. I mean, anytime. I mean, literally my entire life anymore is nothing. I wake up in the morning, I teach private lessons, I write jiu-jitsu articles, I edit for the jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu uh, periodical, I yeah. freaking do my podcast, and then I go to sleep. So where can people find your podcast? What's um, it called? And Well, I, I have two of them right now. One of them is the Old Man Grappa now. We've been kind of taking a little hiatus on it, but you can go find us on, on Instagram or find us on YouTube, oldmangrappanhour.com. Okay. And then the, the major one I run with right now is for the jiu-jitsu times. I run the official podcast for the jiu-jitsu times. That's the one I've been running with the most, so. And how frequently do you do that? We do two a week okay. for the Jiu-Jitsu Times. I usually write my articles are written for another site. I have I've been hired on by Aces Jiu-Jitsu Club, Aces Jiu-Jitsu Club to run um, articles for them, write content, blog content for them, edit their blog contents for them. So I've got about four writers that work for me from there. I usually put about an article a week out on that site, and then I do two to three podcasts a week. Now, on the podcast, guests are on, or is it just you talking? Well, we do. It depends on the format. I have a I have a, I have a, a partner yeah. that I work with for the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast, Kevin Bradley. Um, so, 
sometimes just me and him breaking down what went down for the week. Um, we try to do one with a guest and one solo show every week, but we usually get some pretty high level. I mean, we've, we've been getting with the jujitsu times, it gives me some clout, right? To go after high level, uh, who are some of the big names in jujitsu right now? Like, who are kind of leading, leading the, well, I mean, you can't talk about you can't talk about jujitsu without talking about Gordon Ryan. I mean, it's it's, it's actually I think this is the longest any any jujitsu podcast has gone on okay. <laughs> without mentioning Gordon Ryan's okay. name. Okay, well, good. We checked that box. We off. checked that box. What off, school man. is he? Or what's he? What's his? Well, what's he, his he, he trains under Hinzo. He, okay. he's one of he's John Danaher's. Okay, so Danaher. Like, yeah, he's John Danaher's. He's prodigy. a very esoteric, yeah. philosophical kind of very interesting guy. He's different. Very very yeah. interesting yeah. guy. But it's funny because it's different and interesting. It's different as he is. He's also a pretty, pretty cool down to earth dude. Like he worked, he, he, he moved from New Zealand to go to New York. And I think the early eighties, mid eighties or something like that. Right. Late eighties, somewhere in that area, but back when New York was still a cool place right. to live. And he worked in the, in the nightclubs. He was a bouncer in the nightclubs and he went to Columbia and got a master's degree in philosophy from yeah. Columbia, you know, as he was training jujitsu right. and, you know, he's worked out. He's, he's, if you pick a phenomenal, like, Greatest of all time athlete in MMA. I mean, he's coached freaking George St. Pierre. He's yeah. George St. Pierre's head coach. You know, he was, he coached, uh, Chris Weidman. And now we start, he turned his, he turned his agenda into jujitsu. We started coaching, uh, Gordon Ryan and some of the other Danner Death Squad. You know, he's amazing. He's one of the greatest fighting minds. He's a genius, philosophical genius that decided to teach jujitsu. Right. <laughs> it's, right. It's an amazing thing. So, uh, kind of two final questions: sure. future of Kevin Gallagher and future of jujitsu. You can take them in whichever order you want to. Well, man, you know, I, I, it's funny as, as I've gotten older in life, it's amazing how quickly you kind of lose the desire to be this world-renowned. Blah blah blah. You know, you're, you're, you're content to have your little yeah, corner of the world. I've kind of gotten Caesar in your own room, exactly. Yeah. And, and even and even the the idea of being Caesar, I don't even care. Anymore. Well, I, yeah. I said no, euphemistically, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's it's I'm I I'm doing things now, which is an important thing. And I'll give I'll give this little bit of insight to people. I've found a small little bit of success in the multimedia world, in one way or another, and. One of the tipping points that had me made me accomplish that is when you realize that don't hustle with the idea of getting famous. Hustle with the idea because you just love to do what you yeah, do. Yeah. You, when you put the work in and you stay consistent with it and you focus on things that you enjoy, first of all, you kind of enjoy doing it. This podcast is the best example of it for me because it grew its own legs and it's just because I love podcasts. Yeah. You know, I hate doing family law. Yeah. That's my profession. <laughs> and there's different opinions on how good or how renowned I am in it. But the, the podcast thing is not a chore for me. I love it. You know, it's it's a therapy session with a different therapist every time they come and sit down. So. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. You can't funk it though. You, you can't you can't fake it. You you got to yeah. uh you can't fake the funk. You have to put the work in. You right. just have to work. You got to right. do it. You got to you got to be dedicated. There's a very big difference between dedication and passion. Right. Right? And passion's great. It's very easy to do things you love when you're passionate about it. Cuz everybody wants to do shit when you're passionate about things. Right. The hard part is being driven and dedicated to do it when you're not passionate. You think every you think I want to write a jiu-jitsu article, a thousand right. word jiu-jitsu article every week? Yeah. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes the words flow out. 
There's a lot of times where it's discipline, like, you know, I got to I got to make 50. I make a 50 bucks on this thing. Let me just crank it out because right. this, this is what I got to do to make the 50 bucks and get, and get it done with. But you get better at it and you build that content. And sometimes the ones that I hate and I feel like are horrible are the, are the, best, the best ones. Yeah. Right? yeah. So what, your own school, anything like that or? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I've, I'm enjoying, I'm really enjoying teaching private lessons, man. I feel I always feel like St. Pete is unconquered territory. And yeah, maybe that's maybe that, that's un so thinking, but I've always been amazed at how little schools there are in St. Pete. There's we have so the problem, the, well, not the problem, but the, the 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 issue I run into is the fact that you know I I stay under the Gracie Tampa sure, yeah. umbrella, so we have a gym in St. Pete already, so I can't okay. go to St. Pete. My goal is Trinity, Florida. Oh yeah, I'm already on. I'm already on. I've got my 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 flag the flag planted stuck in the ground out there. Unfortunately, all the COVID stuff. I was supposed to open up at the beginning of 2020, but obviously. You right. Right. COVID destroyed all that. So right. I'm buying my time. I'm going to go start exploring again after the first of the year if we, if we don't have a civil war or or a pandemic. Have that, you uh, seen much politics in the, in the classroom? Like, has that invaded the – I will tell you that, you know, I obviously have my views. Um, I just had a falling out with one of my guys. It's hard. It's hard. Recently yeah. about it's hard. it. It's hard. Yeah. I – we um, – we try at the gym be, yeah, because it's such an equalizing factor and we're yeah. such family oriented. It's like, we don't need that shit here. You yeah. I mean, I've got freaking devout Muslims that train with the, with the, with the, with the Christians all yeah. day long, you yeah. know, and, and, and different aspects uh-huh. along that black lives matters with the, you know, it's when you come to the jitsu mat, like leave that shit it's at outside, the door. Yeah. And I, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. We're brothers here on the mat. Isn't it just, don't, don't you just, Think about something like that and think about how amazing the world would be if we could just see eye to eye like that. The greatest thing someone ever said to me is, I want to go back to a time where we don't talk about politics. It's funny you say that too, man. I'm going to fucking get too into it. But like it's, I remember the days when all my ding dong friends, the Chad drinking or the, 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 the monster energy drink drinking uh, Chad's like, they didn't care. They they didn't care about you get the exception. <laughs> you know, they didn't care about politics. Yeah, because it wasn't cool. Right. Like now, you see all these media blown on everybody's face. It's like guys, it wouldn't give two shits about. You have politics. to have an opinion on. Yeah, it. wouldn't yeah. wouldn't care about politics because at the end of the day, bro, it ain't gonna change yeah. shit. I, yeah. I love the idea. I would like to push things in a certain direction just because I that's what I believe. Sure. But the world is going to keep turning. I'm still going to have a freaking job, and so are you. Maybe you make a little bit of money. Maybe you'll make a little bit more money. More money. Yeah. We're not going to stop turning. Where are, do you see jujitsu in ten years? Um. So I mean, I hope it continues to grow. I hope it continues to be the amazing sport that, that it is. I, I was I, bummed that it can't get a toehold in the Olympics, <laughs> and that's because of real wrestling and jujitsu. I guess are too similar. But it, what was it like? Fucking break dancing break, break or something? Dancing, yeah, break dancing got in. Um, I think a lot of the problem is just because we're so fractured over a rule set and over it, there's so much infighting within the different. But it seems so ideal for the Olympics, it's, it's more so yeah. than wrestling, more so than judo, more well, so than boxing. It's funny you say that because one of the things we always like my my co-host on uh, on the Old Man Grappling Hour, Sonny Parlin, brings up to me all the time as we talk about. We always make this joke. He's like, "Well, in our world, in our realm of spectrum, spectrum, right?" Um, Jiu-jitsu is amazing. It's huge. But the reality of it is there are more people that watch curling yeah. than jiu-jitsu, yeah. and, you know, worldwide. It's just, right. it's just not as big of a sport internationally as we would like to believe it is. I still think it should be in the Olympics over breakdancing. But, you know, 
Skateboarding. Skate, I mean, you know, and I love skateboarding. But. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> You've got your decks yeah, on yeah, the yeah, back wall. Yeah, yeah. I hope for jujitsu to continue to grow because I love the sport. Like I said, even without the actual idea of competitive, I don't care if it goes in the Olympics or not. I'd like to see it there. My focus anymore over the last year is the transformative journey that I take my clients on and my students on throughout the course of right. the long haul. I enjoy being that shaman that, that teaches them how to be better you people. You become a life coach. You really do. You really I do, mean, I, I, I say all the time that Hobson saved my life. My, my mom got diagnosed with cancer and I went into a dark, dark depression and I was going to therapy and all this other stuff. And Martial Arts Advantage South, I walked in and I knew very little about jujitsu. And this little guy walks in. And I mean, if you met Hobson, I mean, he's tiny he's and the other day. sweetest guy in the world. And I think I'm going to have him on my podcast. Actually. I'm trying to get him yeah, on right. mine too, but <laughs> right. he's always like in fucking Ireland or something. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he, he just flips, he flips the stereotype on its head of, of, what you expect it to be and what it is. I mean, he's such a family man. He's such a sweetheart. He's such an intelligent, good, good dude. And, and, and you mentioned the little guy and the big guy. I remember the first time my wife came to a class, um, I was rolling with Hobson and, you know, as a white belt rolling with a black belt, or you're just like, yeah, just like you're frozen. Like I, I know if I put my arm there, or I know it. And so at some point, I turtled up and I felt his weight on top of me, and then I didn't feel his weight on top of me, and then I felt it right in the center of my back. He like jumped up and was like standing on my back while I was turtled up because I wouldn't do anything. That's and funny. I always, always love that story. Well, yeah. where can people? You, you mentioned briefly, but where can people find you on social media, yeah, Instagram, so Facebook? You, you, these can, sorts of you can check me out at UncleCoachKevin.com on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on facebook at kevin gallagher uh, you can also follow most of my my writing on ac jiu-jitsu club and then my podcasts are the old man grappling hour and uh, the jiu-jitsu time so there's like, quite a bit of stuff out there. i should consolidate that in one way or another but and gracie jiu-jitsu south where, where's the so location there? what i would really i mean if anyone's listening to this and interested in taking private lessons hit me up because that's all i do all, all day long and right I, and i tell you i tell people all the time like you know, if you have a preconceived notion of what jujitsu is, come give it a shot. Take a ten pack with me, and, and I guarantee you, during the course of that ten sessions, you will learn fairly quickly how amazing I say it is. It really is, Kevin. I, I you've 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 outshined any expectations I had. I really appreciate you coming down. It's funny how I I thought I knew you, <laughs> and it, you didn't turn out to be who who I thought you were. But but that, that's I, a, that is a funny story. Well, right? there's I, I, I'm, it still kills me because I'm trying to think who the guy is, but I swore it was you. There was two brothers, wrestling brothers, and they used to crush everybody in class. And you look like the older right. one. There was story. a dark haired one and a red haired yeah. one, and I and thought, we made a connection. Yeah, so well, there, there you go. go. The but, universe was on our favor. Thank you so much for. Yeah. Coming down, I wish you the best of luck. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you too, All brother, right. man. Yeah. Take care.